Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and if you want to learn more about our church, look us up on Facebook or our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Our sermon podcast is available in, the most, in most places that you can find podcasts. You can find it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or even iHeartRadio. Subscribe to never miss the next message. Today we are finishing our two-part series on biblical friendship. Last week, we looked at what the Bible had to say about understanding biblical friendship. This week, I want to direct your attention to a series of qualities that I want to call friendship builders, friendship breakers, and friendship bunkers. These are biblical qualities that can make or break your friendships. A survey in the, published in the American Sociological Review revealed that in 2004, one out of every four Americans had no close friendships, and there was a 33% decline in the number of friendships over the past two decades. On average, Americans had only two people that they would call close confidants. It would appear that for all the ways that we are knitted closer together by humanity's advancement, we are further apart than ever, and friendship is more elusive. I want to share with you a few quotes uh, on friendship. The first one is from Aristotle, and Aristotle says this, Wishing to be friends is quick work, but friendship is a slow ripening fruit. Abraham Lincoln says this, Do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? Abraham Kuyper says this, He is your friend who pushes you nearer to God. And Eugene Peterson says this, Like the sacrament use of water and bread and wine, friendship takes what's common in human experience and turns it into something holy. Friendship done right becomes something holy. Within each one of us is a hunger for true friendship. This is because each one of us is designed to be in friendship with God. It's a hunger that we all feel. Last week we looked at what the Bible had to say about friendship. That friendship is based on three things. That we, it's based on a design of friendship with God. It's godly in its design. It's close, meaning forming a new family closer than a biological brother. And that friendship has a purpose to bring glory to Jesus. Now today I want to take some time and look at several qualities that can help us cultivate biblical friendships. I put these qualities into three categories. Friendship builders, friendship breakers, and friendship bunkers. That is to say, qualities that will uh, well build up and create and enhance friendship. Qualities that can hurt friendship. And a bunker I consider uh, a quality that Yes, it's a builder, but it's also a fortification that prepares a friendship for the long haul. So let's begin with friendship builders. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. Healthy biblical friendships must be built. They take time. It takes an effort. It takes transparency and honesty and vulnerability and a willingness to engage in healthy conflict in order to grow into the best version of ourselves and the best version of our friendship. To understand friendship builders, we must first see the tremendous influence that we bring to bear on others and that others bring to bear on us because people have an effect on us, right? 
We can bring out the best in each other, or we can act in indifference toward one another. We can bring out the worst in one another. Friendship is a word that's thrown around so lightly in our culture, and I think we confuse friendship with association. Just being with a person doesn't make them a friend. Laughing with a person does, it not, not, does not necessarily make them a friend. We can associate with people who feed our unholy side, that make us snarky and sarcastic and petty and pessimistic. The Bible has plenty to say about being careful about who you call your friend. Proverbs 13.20 says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but, whoever, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 12.26 says this, One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So there clearly are people that when we invest in them and foster friendship with them, they will flourish and we will flourish. But there are also people who are not concerned about you. They're not concerned about me. They may enjoy our company. They may like your sense of humor. They may think that you're a lot of fun, but they're more interested in themselves than in seeing you become the best version of yourself. Beware of a person who values companionship and how they feel more than they value you. They will bring you harm. Sometimes unknowingly they'll bring you harm. Sometimes they bring you such harm intentionally so they feel about them, better about themselves or they can feel who they are more keenly. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. One more Bible verse about the company that we keep. Our friendships have a tremendous impact on our friendship with God. So please choose friends who will push you towards the holiness of God. And here it is in James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend with the world makes himself an enemy of God. Friendship must be concerned with building up the other. How do we do this? How do we discern between friends who have a genuine care for us and those who care only for themselves? And that's where friendship builders help. So just a couple of friendship builders, because there are many, but a couple of them that I want to highlight. Some of them you'll go, you'll go, oh, that's obvious, Pastor Josh, and, and others you'll go, I didn't think about that. But the first friendship builder that I want to highlight, and the mo probably the most important one, is love. We talk a lot about love. We have to. Love is powerful. Love transforms our world. When you selfishly, love twists us into miserable, hurting creatures. But biblical love is redemptive. It is focused on giving ourselves to our friends so that they can be restored to God. This is what Jesus has done for us. Let's look at two Bible verses about love in our friendships. Romans 12.10 says this, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is the sort of love needed in friendship. A person that hurts for you, I'm sorry, a person that hurts you for their pleasure is not your friend, and they don't love you. Instead, biblical friendship thrives when both friends are trying to outdo one another with love and honor. Do you honor your friend? Do you honor them all the time? All the time? It's not friendship if you honor a friend to their face, and then not so much, maybe even badmouth them when they're not around. 
First Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says this, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. I think that's so important for us to take in. We know that Jesus is the forgiveness of our sins. His love truly covers up sin. It, it is our, for our redemption. But the love of a friend can steer us away from compounding our sins and doing dumb things. We have a friend who loves us enough to say, stop it. With love, we can even shield our friends from another's sins. Guard them. So love is one of the friendship builders. But being teachable, teachable is another friendship builder. This is to say, to be teachable, is that when we are open to, to be teachable, we need to be open to growing and maturing. And we also need to be willing to invest in relationships that seek to grow. It has to be a, a growth aspect to our friendships. We need to be teachable. And so Proverbs 19 verse 20 says this, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Be teachable. And Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. And I think we could say one friend, a true friend, will sharpen another friend, make us better, cause us to grow, make us stronger. We should seek to bring out the best in each other and see what our friends have to teach us. Each of your friends can help you grow if you're willing to let them. C.S. Lewis says this, In each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. He's saying he needs his friendships to realize the fullest version of himself. Unwillingness to be teachable is an unwillingness to grow. And without this willingness, you cannot cultivate biblical friendships. Another friendship builder is the idea of candor. It's one thing to be teachable, but it's another to be willing to to be willing to speak the truth in a way that is well received. Timothy Keller identifies this as candor. He calls it the ability to speak truth in love for the good of your friend. It may take a little while to build the ability to speak with candor towards a friend. The longer your friends, the more you'll be able to do this. If you're not able to speak the truth in love with a friend, your friendship will hit a wall and be unable to progress. Proverbs 27.9 says, Oil and perfume make a heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. It's candor there. Proverbs 27.5 and 6 says this, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Better is open rebuke. Better is a word spoken in candor than hidden love. I, I didn't want to say because I, I was worried you might be hurt. But, but we need to be able to say so that our friends can grow. Don't wounds hurt and kisses feel good? Yet somehow a biblical friendship is willing to wound us. And those wounds are for our good. Proverbs 28.23 says this, Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Here's a quote that I like. In our dealings with those caught in sexual lust, mercy is incomplete unless we do as Jesus did and call it sin. 
We've winked and giggled and made alibis or ignored sin all too long. A friend indeed is one who calls and says quietly but firmly, what you're doing is friend. What you're doing, friend, is sin. It's harmful to you and to others. It's destructive to God's dream for you. That's candor, to be able to look someone in the eye, whether it's sexual sin or any other kind of sin, and to be able to look them in the eye and say, what you're doing, friend, is sin. It's harmful to you, and it's harmful to others, and it's destructive to God's dream for you. Candor speaks truth. It speaks it plainly and clearly and lovingly. It doesn't speak in code and and rhyme. It speaks restoration instead of blunting your friend with a hammer of truth. Sarah Grant says this, Our opinion of people depends less upon what we see in them than upon what they make us see in ourselves. And there's an old Jewish proverb I think is very good, A friend is one who warns you. George Herbert says this, The best mirror, the best mirror is an old friend. Are you willing to learn the art of speaking the truth in love? To speak with candor? Will you be willing to... Will you learn that a true friend speaks truth not to hurt you, but to help you, and to help you be the best version of yourself? Now, let's take and step away from relationship builders and look at relationship breakers for a moment. We must be aware that our actions and attitudes can break or injure our friends and our friendships. If we're not careful, all of our efforts to bless our friends and to build a biblical friendship can be lost in a quick few moments. So be aware of these relationship breakers. And the first one is one that maybe we see a lot in our culture, uh, especially now when everybody's sort of tired and, and haggard over the last year. The first relationship breaker is anger. Benjamin Franklin says this, Whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. I think that's true. There's a Chinese proverb that goes like this. It says, The fastest horse cannot catch a word spoken in anger. Ah, how many times have I said something in anger, and as soon as that word leaves my lips, I go, Oh, I wish I could take that back. And nothing can outrace that word and get it back. Anger emerges from unmet expectations. This is important for us to understand. This is one of the biggest origins of angers. It emerges from unmet expectations. I wanted something. I expected something to happen. My plan was for this, and it went another way, and now I'm frustrated. The problem is, we often will take the attitude of, if you do not give me what I want, what I expect, I will respond with anger. Now, for those of you who struggle with anger... Make sure that your expectations are expressed clearly and that they are understood. Lots of anger results from assuming that others, our friends and our family, understand what we expect and that they agree to what we expect. Make sure the other understands and that they agree. If they don't, then you need to check what you're expecting at the door. And then you need to ask yourself the question, are my expectations reasonable? Maybe you're expecting something from your friend that is unfair and that they're unable to give or unwilling to give. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25 say this, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. And we're told right there that anger is contagious. Ephesians 4, 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down on your anger. What a puzzling verse that is. I almost hesitate to use it. I'm telling you, anger is a relationship breaker. And here Ephesians 4 says, be angry. But look at how it's worded. Be angry and do not sin. Most of our anger comes from selfish sin. But I really think the second half of that verse is so important. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Anger is going to happen. We are human. All of us make make mistakes. Anger will happen eventually. But Ephesians 4.26 tells us very wisely to deal with our anger swiftly. Don't Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with it swiftly. The longer we let anger fester, fester, the more it will take root. Before we know it, we will have forgotten what made us angry at all in the first place. But we're certain that it was a good reason that we were angry. And by this point, we've piled up all kinds of other reasons to be mad at. But if you deal with anger right away, it's not given time to grow. And it can be dealt with more easily. Angry may be scary to face, but it is better to face it sooner than later. James chapter 1 Verses 19 and 20 say this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Be careful when you try to wield righteous anger. We are not as able to wield righteous anger as we would like to think that we are. There's an illustration from the New York Times magazine that goes like this. Getting angry can sometimes feel like leaping into a wonderfully responsive sports car, gunning the motor and taking off at a high speed, and then discovering that the brakes are out of order. Feels really good till you need those brakes. Anger is not healthy for biblical friendships. Another relationship or friendship breaker is selfishness. Selfishness is is so destructive. It's a funny story, and I've heard many versions of it, but one that I like is this. Two men were out hunting in the northern U.S. Suddenly, one of them yelled and and the other looked up to see a grizzly bear charging towards them. The first one started to frankly put on his tennis shoes, and his friend anxiously asked, What are you doing? You know you can't outrun a grizzly bear. And the friend said, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. Bears only going to go after who they can catch first. Selfishness does not build a healthy relationship. Job chapter 6 verse 14 says this, He who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. Selfishness, I think, is often manifested when we withhold blessing from others because we want it for ourselves. Another relationship breaker, and this one's sort of twofold. It's the words that we use. This relationship breaker is gossip and flattery. Because the words that we use are very powerful. Proverbs 6.28 says this, A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisper separates close friends. Do not give in to gossip and do not give in to flattery. Gossip is the, is the language that is hurtful. It is dishonesty spread in a negative way. Husbands, wives, you need to know that your spouse is your best friend. That's how it should be. That relationship 
is the closest of any human relationship you will ever share, and it should be the closest of any human relationship that you will share. And this is why the marriage relationship is so wonderful, and this is why it's so painful when it breaks apart. But your love from one another should seek to keep one another from sin and protect your, ha- your spouse from other people's sins. One way that Betsy and I do this is that when a person complains or says something hurtful about our spouse, that word stops there. Especially if there's nothing that can be done. If someone's just complaining and, and maybe the word's true or usually it's not, if there's nothing we can do, if we catch wind of someone's gripe against their spouse, it just it ends there. It doesn't help to pass that hurt feeling and complaint along, especially if there's nothing that can be done about it, if it's just an opinion that someone holds. So all of you out there that have been trying through Betsy to voice your complaints about the pastor, I'm sorry, those complaints stop at her and they get no further. You have to come to me so that we can talk and try to work out the issue. That's healthier anyway. That's a better way to deal with conflict, to go directly to the person than try to go through a friend or through a spouse to get to that person. And, and the other side of it is, is no one ever complains about Betsy because she's so wonderful. So perhaps you need to resolve to stop passing negative news onto your spouse. And certainly if you encourage people to speak directly to them, that is a healthier form of conflict resolution than dealing with third-hand information. But the other side of gossip is flattery. And flattery is a tricky danger. Flattery is, if you will, it's a positive form of dishonesty. Flattery is setting up a person for disappointment and ruin. Sometimes flattery is meant well. I meant, I want to say nice things. I, I want to say things so that my friend feels good. But remember, biblical friendship speaks with candor instead of flattery. Bernard of Clairvaux says this, True friendship brings sometimes rebuke and never flattery. John Huss says this, You do not understand that the smooth-tongued flatterer is an enemy, while he, while he that chastises is a lover and a healer of wounds. Although the sick man is angry and murmurs, and murmurs at the chastisement, what he's saying there is that the smooth-tongued flatterer, they don't really mean any good for you. But the one who chastises is actually one who loves you. And wants to heal your wounds. Beware of flattery. It is not healthy. Another friendship breaker is jealousy. It says instead of focusing on what God has called us to be, we focused on a perceived gap between others and ourselves. Instead of obeying God, we idolize what we think someone else possesses. Jealousy is our belief that what others have would make us or me happy. Proverbs 14.30 says this, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. But envy makes the bones rot. Jealousy steals health from every part of our lives. It makes the bones rot. This is true of your friendships as well. Beware of jealousy in yourself and from your friends. And the last part, and maybe you've caught this already about friendship breakers, is really any sin that is unresolved can be a friendship breaker. At their core, all of these friendship breakers are sin. And sin will break the strongest of friendship 
because sin betrays trust. Sin damages those nearest to us, and sin spreads like wildfire. Flyer, fire. Refusal to deal with sin is a friendship breaker. Now I want to talk about our last category, friendship bunkers. What do I mean by a friendship bunker? A bunker is a fortification built to withstand bombardment and invasion. Bunkers are built to be occupied through a long conflict. They are well stocked. In a friendship or any relationship, uh, in friendship or any relationship, bunkers are fortifications that we put in place to create endurance and longevity. Friends are like good health. You don't realize what a gift they are until you lose them. And friendship bunkers work to prevent the loss of friends and friendships. Good friendship is precious. We do not want to lose good friends. And yes, these qualities are friendship builders, but they go deeper. They build the foundation which allows friendships to weather through all hardship. Biblical friendship builds for the long haul. Not every person will be a lifetime friend, but you should still invest in fortifying all your friendships for the long haul to find out which ones will become the lifetime friends. We need that solid foundation. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25, these are Jesus' words about needing a strong foundation. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And these friendship bunkers are practices, qualities, and attitudes that will build a solid foundation, a rock enduring for enduring friendship. And I want to draw your attention to four simple friendship bunkers. And the first one is this, <clears throat> time. True biblical friendship can only be built with time. We need to be willing to invest our time. And this means we need to be willing to invest a resource that is limited and irreplaceable. Think about that for a moment. It's a high cost. And we must be careful who gets our time. And you know what? We must be careful how we ask for the time of others or how we demand the time of others. Respecting people's time and freely giving your time builds a strong foundation for biblical friendship. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. Grace is another friendship bunker. Proverbs 17, 17, 9 says this, Whoever co covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. We need to model the grace and forgiveness of Christ. No person here on earth today is perfect. We all need room to grow and make mistakes. And biblical grace permits us to make mistakes. Without biblical grace, we will be paralyzed out of a fear of making a mistake or we'll, we'll, be, we'll give up trying to grow. George Eliot says this, Oh, the comfort, the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with a person, having neither to weigh the thoughts or measure the words, but pour them out, just as they are, chaff and grain together, knowing that a faithful hand will take and sift them and keep what is worth keeping, and then, with a breath of kindness, blow away the rest and be gracious. We need to have that kind of graciousness. Another friendship bunker is constancy or consistency. We need consistency 
in our friendships. Because we live in a world that is full of that which is disposable or fleeting. To build a friend foundation of friendship, we must commit to being consistent. We must build on, an unwaver on the unwavering truth of the Bible. And we must have a character that is consistent. Consistency in your conduct towards your friends is important. In the end, the investment of time, the giving of grace, and being consistent with our faith and our conduct towards our friends will build a fortress that will help our friendships weather many conflicts and hardships. I said we were going to look at four friendship bunkers, but it's just three I want to look at. If you want a solid, long-lasting friendship, you'll invest time, you'll give grace, and you'll be consistent. Though Jim was a little older than Philip and often assumed the role of leader, they did everything together. They even went to high school and college together, and after college, they decided to join the Marines. By a unique series of circumstances, they were sent to Germany together, where they fought side by side in one of history's ugliest wars. One sweltering day under, during a fierce battle, amid heavy gunfire, bombing, and close-quarters combat, they were given the command to retreat. As the men were running back, Jim noticed that Philip had not returned with the others. Panic gripped his heart. Jim knew if Philip was not back in another minute or two, he wouldn't make it. Jim begged his commanding officer to let him go after his friend, but the officer forbade the request, saying it would be suicide. Risking his own life, Jim disobeyed and went after Philip. His heart pounding, he ran into gunfire, calling out for Philip. A short time later, his platoon saw him hobbling across the field, carrying a limp body in his arms. Jim's commanding officer upbraided him, shouting that it was foolish to, and a waste of time and an outrageous risk. Your friend is dead, he added, and there's nothing that you could do. No, sir, you were wrong, Jim replied. I got there just in time. Before he died... His last words were, I knew you would come. What wonderful friendship that is. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, and has no, not another one to lift him up. Biblical friendships are much needed. They're much needed in our world. They are a relief in our world. Will you intentionally build biblical friendships? Watch out for friendship breakers and invest your friendships for the long haul. Perhaps you need to take time and pray over a friendship that you can see needs some investment and some repair work. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Teach us to love others the way that you first loved us. And as we build biblical friendships, help us help each other to see Jesus, to see you in our actions of generosity and kindness and love. Lord, help us to speak the truth in love and to extend grace, to guard against anger and jealousy. Help each one of us to bring you glory through our friendships. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.